out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes into all the people, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. Hello, my name is Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow galactic tour guide, Ross. Mac, I gotta tell you, you nailed it. That I was did. Perfect. That was a great intro. By season three, I'll have this. You down. really, you really got it. Oh well, yeah, we'll <laughs> change it. I haven't made that joke. We'll change it's it. Tough. So you'll have to learn it again. I got it It'll first time out of the box. We're but good. seriously, one take, no mispronounced words. Beautiful. I would, we, we're doing it. So the whole show is going to be like that, right? We're going to try. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to Star Wars All In season seven, episode one, The Bad Batch. Today, Mac and I are here to. Bring back the story that we weren't able to tell last week on the show. Mm-hmm. This week, we're going to go all in to Star Wars The Clone Wars, the 2008 to 2020 Lucasfilm animated project. Um, I want to say the first animated Star Wars, but that's not necessarily true. The first good. Uh, and- <laughs> hey, hey, how dare you? How dare you disparage Ewoks and droids? I'm not disparaging Ewoks and droids. I'm just saying objectively they're of a lower quality. (laughs) Okay. If you out there love Ewoks and droids more than the Clone Wars, let us know. Oh, I want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, please let us know. (laughs) How about a good hashtag? Because I mean, I I have a soft spot for the droids cartoon. Yeah. I don't have one for the Ewoks cartoon, but... Man, but the Ewoks... All right, well, now is not the time. If you love droids and uh, Ewoks more than you love the Clone Wars or Rebels or Resistance, let us know. Let us know. I would love to know. But until then, until I hear from someone like that, tonight we're going to be talking about the Clone Wars. We are. Then we're going to head on over to Felucia, and we're going to mm-hmm. learn a little bit about what life is like on a jungle planet. Yep. And then finally, we're going to talk about the mouse droid, as it's mm-hmm. known among most fans, the MSE-6 droid, right? Is that right? MSE-6? MSE-6. Yep. Nailed it. Awesome. We're on fire tonight, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Awesome. You can just count, uh, it's gonna cut be good. out all the extra parts. But yeah, beautiful. So, Mac, <laughs> how long are our topics going to be, you think? So what we're going to look at is we're going to probably talk about Clone Wars. Is our signature crown jewel here? We're going to talk to about it for almost an hour. Oh, fun. Okay. And then we're going to uh, fly by for a good, yeah, I don't know, 15-ish minute conversation about Felucia and a nice short and sweet 10-minute conversation about the mouse droid. All right. I can dig it. I can dig it. That sounds like fun to me. Uh, Okay. So we're just going to jump right in because we have a lot to say about the Clone Wars. If for whatever reason you're about to turn this show off and not listen, uh, let me just get the bullet points in now. Watch the Clone Wars. It's great. If you're someone like me who at one point didn't like it, give it another try. It's fantastic. Too long, didn't read. Watch, go see the Clone Wars. <laughs> also, just to let you know, we will be spoiling the Clone Wars, the original run of the first six seasons, because we'll be talking about some of that stuff. But we are we're going to mention season seven's launch because that's kind of why we're doing this episode. But we will not be spoiling anything about it. So yes, don't no feel you have to watch that before seven. you listen to this. Just for everything else that we spoil. Which yes, is everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as we do here. If you haven't learned that by now, well, I'm sorry. We're done. All right, folks, and we're going to start that right after this.
All right, so it's April 2005. In just a few weeks, episode three will grace Hollywood, and we, as far as we know, Star Wars will be over. A bunch of people hanging out at Celebration 3 are there to hear Mr. Lucas talk about how he feels about all of this. And to kind of capstone the whole thing, he says, well, Star Wars isn't over. We're, we're going to make a TV show. Maybe two. And people lose their dang minds. <laughs> Later, Stephen Sansweet, head of fan relations, would kind of clarify the fact that they were exploring a 3D weekly half-hour show that they would be co-producing and running with Cartoon Network. Now, they set expectations correctly in the sense of they were pretty sure they weren't even going to start working on it for about a year. <laughs> but all of that culminated in 2008 when we got Star Wars Clone Wars. Now, do you remember when you first heard about Star Wars Clone Wars, Ross? Uh, well, I definitely do. I wasn't watching any of the Clone Wars at the time. I remember basically seeing that, hey, here's this Star Wars thing coming to theaters. It looks like it's animated and it looks like it's probably not for me. Uh, in 2008, I would have been 17. And uh, Star Wars, uh, while I was still participating in Star Wars movies and novels and things, uh, Star Wars cartoon was not something I had my eye on. I remember seeing a little bit about, uh, you know, the advertising for it and some of the tie-in material and that kind of stuff. But beyond that, it wasn't something I was hyper aware of. I knew mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it took place between episodes two and three. I knew that Anakin had a Padawan. And to that, uh, to me, that seemed crazy because how could Anakin have a Padawan? What happened to that Padawan in episode three? Why does no one ever talk about it? That doesn't seem right. And now here we are, 12 years later, and Ahsoka is one of the best characters in all of Star Wars canon. One of the most popular. She's brought many, many people into the fandom, and she's a fantastic character. And so look how wrong I was. And she makes an appearance in the latest Star Wars film, making her like full top tier, top level canon. There's no, <laughs> there's no questioning she's, her existence she's anymore. She's in the live action now, baby. So now Ahsoka forever. Yeah, so I think that's what we're going to kind of talk about never here. Never die. Well, I mean, she's fictional, so who knows? I mean, <laughs> she's already escaped death once, right? That's true. Um, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about, um, kick around the topic of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. I, I mentioned, I said Star Wars, Clone Wars. That's something else we'll talk I about I was going to bring it up, but I yeah. figured you would mention it. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about Star Wars, the Clone Wars, yes. which came out in 2008. And we're just going to talk about kind of the project of it, what it felt like when we, it was running, what what it was doing for Star Wars and the impact that it's had, especially because we're right now on the eve of the Disney Plus final season coming out. And so it seems like a good time to sort of talk Clone Wars. I mean, you've been watching pretty much all of them, right? You've been doing a rewatch. Yeah, it's funny you bring it up. So my first attempt at Clone Wars, well, my 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 first couple of attempts. So. I was probably about 20 or so when I first took my stab. So it was a couple years into the Clone Wars. The first seasons had been out. Mm -hmm. And I decided to buy the first two seasons on Blu-ray and say, okay, I'm going to give this a try. This is Star Wars. You know, I'm ready to give it a go. And I tried to watch them. And honestly, I just couldn't get into it. So I had those first two seasons on Blu-ray multiple times. I'd put them in and try and give them a watch and... I'd get a couple episodes in and kind of get distracted or bored by it and just never really click for me. Sure. So eventually I finished 
Clone Wars. You know, I made my whole way through it uh, after, you know, a couple attempts to force myself when it wound up on Netflix. I finally got it finished. Uh, And then I got to Rebels. And at this point, Rebels had been out for about two seasons. I hadn't watched any of it. Yeah. And I watched the first two seasons and I got more into Rebels than I did Clone Wars. It just struck me a little bit. I still didn't like the animation style, but I was more into the story they were telling because it was consistent characters week after week. Mm -hmm. We got to the end of the Rebels and by that point, I felt like I was very much into it. I felt like I finally understood it. I felt like I finally understood how to look past the art style. And see it for what it was, which is not trying to be Star Wars film. It wasn't trying to ape that. It was trying to do its own unique thing and Mm -hmm. present its own unique way of storytelling. And I needed to accept not only that art style, but that sort of 22-minute way of storytelling. Which, personally, even you and I have talked about The Mandalorian. It's not my favorite, but I'm getting more and more used to it as it becomes Kind of like Star Wars short form. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's any less valid or star Wars should be movies over TV or anything like that. Because I think there are a lot of people out there right now in the star Wars fan base who believe the future of star Wars is in television and it is in short format for the most oh, yeah, part. Yeah. And that's not to say they're eliminating one or the other or anything like that. I don't think that well, would I ever think... happen, but people think it's more diverse. And to a certain extent it is because you don't have to spend $200 million to get a single season off the ground. That's true. And, and I think just right now in, in 2020, television is more in vogue and the storytelling it can do is more what people are looking for. I think film has, I guess in a weird way, film short form now because film is in and out in two hours or or three, depending on how long you're (laughs) stretching the concept of a film. Whereas so many TV shows now are essentially, you know, a 16 hour movie. It's yeah. broken into maybe 16 episodes, but it's it's actually this one sweeping, continuous mm-hmm. story. And mm-hmm. I think people really like that. I think that's what people like about Mandalorian is like Mandalorian is essentially a four hour movie just happened to be broken yes. into chapters. And I really, of course, loved the Mandalorian. I mean, I didn't have any qualms with it, even from the very beginning. It didn't take me time to get into it like it did animated Star Wars. But even after at the beginning, I was like kind of frustrated, like, OK, well, episode one and two are just one episode cut into two parts yeah let's just release it all at once and Uh. get more content and then realize you know after the first season is over to see what they were building how they were building it and while i would have loved eight hours of content instead of four Mm -hmm. or i would have loved 12 episodes instead of eight you know of 30 minutes that's okay that's not what it is they're trying to tell a story and ultimately I want them to give me any story they want to tell, no matter what format yeah. it's in. If it's in TV, if it's in comics, if it's in novels. Yes, I might have my preferences, you know, between those, but that doesn't mean one is inherently better than the other. I was um, very, very, I don't want to say negative, but apprehensive about the Kylo Ren comic coming out. Yeah. Because I really wanted that story told in much more detail. And I got to say, as much as I wanted a novel or a trilogy of novels, and I still hope I might get something like that one day. Seeing it in comics has been great. Like seeing the art and, you know, getting to see the emotion on Ben's face as he's doing different things. And, you know, if I can't see it in, you know, on film, the comic is a great way to do it. And that just proves my point of if something doesn't seem like it's for you at first, that's totally okay. Maybe it won't ever be. And that's That's all right. But maybe you will find yourself getting into it. I can tell you, I'm such a happier Star Wars fan being here today, being into the Clone Wars and loving it. 
yeah. and having it as part of my Star Wars fandom uh, than I was when I didn't. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's important that, you know, it was it was a really important thing to the, the idea that not only were the stories going to continue after episode three, but that we were going to have more of them than we ever had before. I mean, the original show is 20 plus episodes and it's like that's already like more hours worth of content than we had in movies. So, yeah, the Clone Wars is officially the longest running bit of Star Wars content we have, even when yep. you compare it to like say the entirety of the Skywalker saga. There's still more minute per minute content in Clone Wars. Yeah. Well, here, let, let's okay, let's rein this in a little bit and let's just kind of frame our story here. Yeah. So, Back all the way back in 78, George Lucas already had an interest <laughs> all in, the way at the beginning. Well, George Lucas had an interest in animation and always had. He had uh, hired Nirvana, a uh, Canadian um, animation house, to create a segment for the holiday special. Mm. And that was the first time we saw animated Star Wars. And it was very goofy. Check in our holiday <laughs> specials slash our Boba Fett episode to see a little more about yeah. that. Um and that led to Star Wars on television for the first time, which was Ewoks and Droids, which came out kind of both in the middle 80s, but were very cartoons of their time. They were kind of yeah. irreverent. There wasn't the concept of canon yet. And it was still important that after Return of the Jedi came out, we were still going to get some Star Wars officially from Lucasfilm in these spinoff shows. Yeah. But then we sort of got to the dark times. We didn't really do it. But then when all the prequel stuff got going and all this stuff, Star Wars got to its biggest ever. And Lucas kind of said that like his dabbling with like Pixar and other things he had funded throughout the years had culminated in he was going to build an animation studio. And this was sort of off the back of the last project they had done was Star Wars. Nova. Clone Wars, which was using very hot talent at the time. Uh, Gendy Tarkovsky, who had done Dexter's Lab, was doing Samurai Jack at the time. And he had been hired for what Cartoon Network called a micro series because 2D hand-drawn animations expensive. So they had these episodes that were just a few minutes long. I think I think it's like 42 minutes total when you put all the chapters together. It's not even like it's barely more than like an hour long special. And we had seen these highly stylized, very animation driven, fantastic pieces of Star Wars that were all about that period of what was the Clone Wars like? Because yeah. we were getting it bookended in the movies. We didn't really, other than the Battle of Geonosis and some of the finale stuff we see in three, like we don't really see the Clone Wars. Right. And so it was very exciting to see this. And it was at the time, a really nifty art style. It was very in line with the kind of cutting edge at the time. But we've made that not canon because when Lucas built his animation studios, he was going to sort of replace that with a very long running series that was going to fill in all the information. And the more important thing was, unlike all the other animation projects, he was going to be directly involved with it. He was going to be in the writer's room helping to prove prove stuff and he had sort of apprenticed someone to run his stuff which is where we enter dave filoni which if you have been hanging out in star wars fandom you you should know about dave filoni and his obsession with wolves and his sort of amazing understanding of star wars he said that when he did uh clone wars it was like being george's apprentice he was learning the craft of star wars and if you like things like Clone Wars and Rebels and Mandalorian, you can see the fingerprints of Dave Filoni and his sensibilities all over it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what these TV shows have done and what a man like that has done for the content we've gotten, he has taken it, in in my opinion, of course, this is all my opinion, yeah. but when I look at The Clone Wars and I look at Rebels and I look at Mando and I think about these two shows that it were heavily influenced by The Clone Wars, I mean, not only do they take characters from The Clone Wars, they take themes and places and all sorts of other tech and stuff from that initial show and the seasons we've gotten of it, mm-hmm. and they add to it, and they improve, and they expand, and they make it part of this bigger universe. But what I ultimately love, the one thing that is carried through all three shows, mm-hmm. is all three of them are just tales of morality, or tragedy, yep. or adventure. They're all these simple little anecdotes. My favorite thing, well, one of my favorite things, I have a lot of favorite things, <laughs> about The Clone Wars is the opening. So each yes. episode opens with a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of knowledge. Mac, you've referred to them before as fortune cookies. As far as I know, like the production referred to them as the fortune cookie. Yeah, and so these are all really, really rad because they're just, to me, these great reminders of um, whether it's being good to people or doing actions that uh, are for the right reasons, you know, making sure you're just following your moral compass. Um, we just got a new episode of The Clone Wars, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about more as we go. But I just want to give you an example because I actually have it written down here. So this was the very first fortune cookie from Clone Wars Season 7. Embrace others for their differences, for that makes you whole. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great line because especially at the time we're at now, where there <laughs> it seems a little be, uh, uh, well-timed, right? Yeah, it's really, uh, you know, I like to think of it as that's angled towards fandom of just saying, you know, hey, just because you don't love everything and you don't feel everything is made exactly for you, that doesn't mean there aren't other people out there who aren't uh, finding their passion through it or because of it or finding their love for Star Wars because of the other content that's out there. So even if you don't love a particular film or you don't love Star Wars animation or, you know, you find that that part of fandom isn't for you, that's okay. What matters is we're all in this together. We all love this one thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person who only loves the original trilogy, that's great. Celebrate that. Celebrate those characters and those things you love. And there'll be other people out there carrying that Clone Wars banner, and that's totally okay. And all of these other TV shows have been influenced by that. And I really hope that uh, Star Wars continues those, you know, those tales that it's been telling. And to me, that's the best thing about this short segment that the Clone Wars initiated is that you can tell those, you know, those classic themes in fresh ways every week. It's sticking to kind of morality plays. Each, oh, of course. each episode is trying to be um, not a not a like a moral. It's not like a knock you in the head, but it's just like yeah. emphasizing what storytelling are, are, are storytelling is great at, which is giving you a lesson, yeah. exemplifying the reason why we believe in the virtues we do. Because look at this story that shows that. Yeah. And I love they start with the fortune cookie because after that, they they don't moralize you. They just show you what they just told you they're going to show you in most episodes. And it's yeah. it just feels nice. Um, but I mean, it had a rocky start for sure. Let's let's be <laughs> completely honest. So when they were developing this show, a couple of things happened. First off, Killian Plunkett, who is the main character designer, referenced the Tartakovsky once who. Jenny Tartakovsky was not particularly pleased that they were going to basically pave over his ideas, um, which 
They they did very few ideas from that survived except yeah. visually. Like the characters are very much a a 3D realization of sort of the very highly stylized very um square angular designs that were in the Tartakovsky series. Um and that was polarizing. <laughs> Some people thought, "Oh, cool! It's really highly stylized. That's a neat way to make the show, you know, le- you know, more efficient, more cost-effective, but without losing anything." And then some people were like, "It doesn't look like Star Wars." And I was in that camp. Yep. I was one of those people. Oh. To me, it was just, uh, "This doesn't look good. These characters don't look right. They don't look like their counterparts in in real life." And once I got past that, once yeah. I saw that. I have to, in my mind's eye, when I see this, you know, Dooku whose head is as thin as a pencil, I'm really just picturing Christopher Lee. Well, you're just taking it as this impression, not literally. Yeah, and as you watch it and as you get used to that art style, then you start to find the nuance in it, I think. It was Mm -hmm. only after I accepted that this is the same Anakin as I see on film. This is the same Dooku that I see on film. This is the same Obi-Wan and Yoda that I see on film. Once mm-hmm. I got to that point, I started appreciating the light, the lighting and the, and the stylistic choices more. Yeah. Cause it's got a stark lighting style to it. And then the other thing that was, I think very controversial at the time, especially among some of the animator friends I know through my best friend, who's an animator was they were trying something kind of different than usual that at the time seemed kind of like, didn't seem very intelligent the way mm-hmm. we were making stuff. But I think it's what's made this show look not old over all these years is the fact that all the texture work. So everything that's mapped onto the characters is um, hand created. Mm. So rather than referencing photo reference or working with traditional texture arts, they were like hand painting these these textures, which is a little bit labor intensive, okay. but it's what gives them sort of a more organic quality than the blocky kind of um, rigging of the models would give you. Yeah. Um, and it shows it, it. I think that the 2008 series, you know, you know, it's 12 years ago now and it does not look 12 years old. It looks pretty good. You can see some of the stiffness and some of the limitations on the animation, especially in the early goings, but like it, it it holds up as a fan of like early 3d animation. Like I love shows like reboot and uh, uh, beast wars, but I can only watch them now because I watched them then they're, they are, they are rough to watch beast wars specifically. That's a, (laughs) that's a good call out. And and same thing though. They, they knew that their visuals were going to be limited and just like the clone wars, so they really, really amped up the storytelling to say, hey, look, we, we can't we can't make a new planet every week. That's just not cost prohibitive. You know, mm-hmm. we got to really work with the assets that we have. So how yeah. can we stretch them out? And that led to two decisions we'll get into at the very beginning. One, we need to get people hooked on this. I tell you what, that one three episode arc. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to make that. <laughs> we're going to make that into a movie that will yeah. release in film theaters yep yep i was working at a theater at the time and i remember going but why and then when it came out the controversial style was what everyone's hung up on and not a lot of people went to it yeah so the it wasn't was it you know successful as someone who was working at the theater at the time did you have people coming in to see it was it we Star had Wars fans was it children it was like that thursday night and that friday we had the hardcore fans come out because hey it's a new star wars movie um and the general just coming out was hey 
I don't understand. This movie, which is setting up a children's TV show, it's like it's written for kids. Ah. To which my mind, of course, went, yeah, it's it's it, the target demographic is like middle school boys. Like, that's the whole point. Um, and so, you know, especially some of the dialogue, which is very prominent through season one of like snips and sky guy this banter between ahsoka and and anakin like it feels a little forced um and it feels like trying to write catchphrases and trying to get write a kid's show um and i think you know stinky the offspring of jabba the hut and stuff like that was just not necessarily the strongest foot to start on but i think the one thing i appreciate having i saw it like three times because i was working at the theater so if i was Board, I would just go watch it. Um, the thing I thought that was really impressive to me was, but it had the scale of Star Wars. You, you, for the first thing is when you see something on the big screen, it just looks better. It just looks more massive, more like you can jump in and leap into that world. Yeah. And even with its highlight, highly stylized look, it looked like Star Wars. And to me, the one thing that will always stick with me of my first impression of like, I'm going to watch this every week. I'm all in on Star Wars Clone Wars was Christophus. You see this planet that is this this just landscape of organic grown crystal. The entire thing is like a geode inside out. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I never I never thought of that kind of planet. That's a really cool place. And then I realized that's what the show's going to do. All these places that were either prohibitive for budget reasons or just didn't fit into a Star Wars narrative, we were going to go there. Yeah. And we were going to go places and see things. And the troopers were going to be characters. And, you know, you were to see Yoda and Mace Windu and all the Jedi Council members. And, you know, you were to see Anakin and you were going to see Obi-Wan and their relationship get forged and built out so that when we get to that, you know, volcano fight on Mustafar, it's going to hurt that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Ahsoka, who is this like just bubbly, charming little blast of positive energy in a sad group of people that all know they're marching towards episode three. And she doesn't know that. Ah. And she's just so um, exuberant, energetic. Yeah. And it and it's not just a gateway character for the kids. It reminds you of like, there are people excited to be Jedi. They get to live that life. Yeah. How cool is that? Very, um, very. And um, and I did. I started watching it um, every week. It started, I think that movie came out in maybe August or September. And then it started in October. Okay. And uh, Clone Wars was always, when I first noticed the, the trend, uh well, maybe I know some Battlestar Galactica, but the, hey guys, here's the first season. And by that, I mean, we're going to stop halfway and then some random number of months later, we're going to start it again. <laughs> so you'll really have no idea when this stuff's going on, but just keep looking on the internet. Not the official channels, we won't tell you, but the real internet. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think okay. they would usually run a season from like October to the end of January and then one from like May to August, I want to say. Like they had like a gap in the spring. Gotcha. Okay. Um. And it was it was crazy because at the time I was a big fan of uh, the the force cast, which most of the talent that I'm speaking to in that era went on to form uh, Rebel Force Radio. And I would listen. I would watch the episode and then I would go listen to their roundtable discussion of it. And they would keep bringing in guests who would give you more details of the background or remembering these characters or, oh, this is cool because it's going to connect to that and just 
I never felt so connected to the Star Wars community than during that. Because you'd have an episode like um, at the beginning, at the end of season one, there's the blue shadow virus and the idea of like, whoa, yeah, if you build a virus that just attacked one group, they're all that same group. You could wipe out all the clones. That's insane. And then having them talk about like, oh, how crazy would that be? And also this doctor in this episode is completely over the top, but it's referencing this one old movie with a crazy German scientist because they love film and everything in that entire show is a reference to something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it was just really cool to, when it was on, have this like, you know, whatever it would be, 12 week run of being just, you know, soaked in Star Wars. Yeah. And now we're finally getting back to that because yeah. the Clone Wars ran for five seasons, mm -hmm. had a little bit of a break, and then got a sixth season that was dubbed The Lost Episodes right. that debuted on Netflix. So essentially what happened was Disney bought Lucasfilm. Right. And they basically decided that, hey, we're going to put an end to Clone Wars after season five. So you need to basically wrap up you know, wrap tell, the production, tell the story you were wanting to tell, but we need to wrap it up because we're going to move on to something else that eventually became Rebels. Mm -hmm. Well, they were allowed to finish about half a season of season six episodes they wanted to make that was released on Netflix, as I said, as called The Lost Episodes. Right. At that point, they had the entire show on Netflix yes. and accessible. And this is when I finally went back and did my rewatch kind of muscled your way through and say, there's got to be something good here. So once I got through Rebels, and I was very into the ending of Rebels and those last couple seasons, it really finally hooked me. Yeah. I went back, and I started my Clone Wars rewatch. And this time I said, okay, I'm doing it in chronological order. Because <laughs> if you don't know, yeah. Clone Wars does not air in chronological order. At least it didn't at the beginning. Till about it's midway through season two, I think, is when it... Well... The big thing is, we, we mentioned earlier, like, there's two controversies. One was the 2008 movie. The other one was, it was very anthology-based. Yeah. To stretch their resources thin thinner, they decided, we'll just leap around. That way, we don't have to produce all of this sequence before we can run it. Like, we could work on Todaria while we're actually filming this other thing. Like, the production could yeah. be much more diverse if and we ran them... The, yeah. The other nature of it is that... It allows for us to tell these little snippets of stories right. in short 22-minute chunks without feeling that we need to know why that character is there. It's a character we already know. We're yeah. good. This is just an adventure for them. Right. This is a dip in and dip out of their life. And that's what it started to be. So initially, episodes were not in story chronological order. Right. So eventually, StarWars.com released an official chronological list. Fans had been trying to put that together for years. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, Disney gave, or well, StarWars.com, you know, Lucasfilm gave us one. Right. And so I started a chronological rewatch. And while by the middle of season three is mostly when it hits, you know, chronology, there are still some exceptions. Yes. But some of the best things about watching it chronologically is your first episode you see, if I remember correctly, is a season three episode. Mm. Okay. Well, that's not necessarily true as the first thing, but you see it a lot earlier. You see some episodes a lot earlier. The first episode you watch, just to give you an idea, is season two, episode 16. So you yeah. start, then you go to season one, episode 16, 
Then you watch the Clone Wars well, movie. Then you watch a couple episodes from season three. So you jump around a lot at the beginning. And then by season three, the middle, we're mostly in chronological order with a few exceptions. I was say, and does it really, I think it, start, it starts in Camino, right? It's the Clone Cadets episodes or the uh, chronological, that's right? That's after the film. That oh, is okay. season. That is the beginning of season three. That's what I was thinking too. Those are the first yeah. episodes after the film, which is why that was where mine went too. Yeah, yeah. But actually, the first episode is an episode called Cat and Mouse. Okay, and that's the episode where Anakin is uh, leading an air assault against Trench, if I remember correctly. Okay, right? yeah. And this is on Christ- is Christophus. Oh, off the top of my head, I'd have to go back. Because there's definitely at least one or two Christophus episodes before. Well, you've watched them more recently, so if anyone has a guess, it'll be you. I will. My grades will certainly won't remember. So (laughs) I I started my chronological rewatch on Netflix. I got through the first 40 episodes or so, and then the show left Netflix. And I said, okay, well, I own the first two seasons. I'm going to just go out and buy the rest of the Blu-rays. Right. And you'd be shocked how hard it is. To find Clone Wars Blu-rays at a reasonable price. So I didn't. Uh, I didn't <laughs> buy the rest of them. And I said, okay, I'll wait for Disney Plus. Because at this it's point. It's not that far away. We yeah. knew it was coming. So when Disney Plus launched, that was the very first thing I did. Was I started over again from the beginning. And I went through. And I rated every episode as I watched wow. it. And I found what worked for me the best was to sit down and treat it like an experience. You know, I put okay. my phone away, I turned the lights down, Focused. had the sound up, you know, treated it like watching a Star Wars movie. And I wouldn't watch more than a couple of episodes a night. Mm-hmm. Generally, I tried watch a complete arc. Right, okay. You know, which is typically two to four episodes. And then something amazing happened. Mm-hmm. I found myself really enjoying the Clone Wars, <gasps> watching it chronologically, watching it in that way taking it kind of cutting out some of the distractions yeah yeah allowing me just to see it for what it was which were these great little tales that take place with characters in a galaxy that i love Mm -hmm. and i went through and i gave each episode a rating now when i say rating i don't mean um a rating that is for their quality a rating about how i feel about them so when i rate media content I have my own scale that I use. It's a 10-point scale. And basically, I'll give you the quick version, Max. You don't have to sit here and listen to this. <laughs> okay. uh, anything that's rated a 10 is something that I love. Like So the best episodes of The Clone Wars are going to be a 10. Right. They're the episodes that stick with me the most. Mm-hmm. Then you've got nines, which are episodes that I think that are absolutely fantastic. I think they're either incredibly well-made or they're incredibly great stories. They're episodes I love, but they're just not quite that top tier. Because yes. you can't have everything be a top tier. Then eights and sevens are episodes I really like, episodes I enjoy watching, episodes I'll go back to, episodes I'd recommend to other people, but I'd say they're not the best episodes of the show. They're just the really solid core of it. And then anything I'm going to rate a six or below is generally something I didn't enjoy. So a six would kind of be the lowest I ever rated an episode of The Clone Wars. Okay. And it was basically a, you know what? I didn't like this one personally, but I totally see how other people could. Sure. Now, in other rating other things, movies and whatnot, I'll use all the all the, the points. But really here in Clone Wars, I never had to go below a six. And even when I did, it was only one or two episodes out of the entire show. So Mac, would you like to know... Where I Stand with Clone sure. Wars. Sure, okay. Yeah, let's so, let's hear some highlights from this list. So, my average Clone Wars ranking mm-hmm. for the first six seasons was an 8.77. 
That's pretty high. So we'll round that up. We'll say a nine out of good, you know, as uh, as I'd rate it on IMDb. When I first watched Clone Wars, like my initial watching, because remember, before my chronicle chronological watch, watch. I had seen the entire thing. Okay, I I had said I'd probably was more at an eight. Okay, so definitely my improved. You know, I've definitely improved over the years with it. So season one, I have as my lowest ranked at seven point eight six. Makes sense. It's the most all over the place and. Season two, eight point three six. Okay. Season three, eight point six eight. Okay. Season four, nine point one eight. Ooh. Season five, nine point five. Wow. Definitely the high point for me. Yeah. Uh, and then season six, nine point one five. Okay. So you can definitely see that after season two, there's a, a noticeable jump up, and every season from four, five, and six is all a nine or above. Um. And then uh, I'll be doing the same thing for Rebels. I'm almost done with season three. So I'm going through my rewatch on Rebels now. Rebels I do remember a lot better, but I am still surprised at how much I've missed. I was telling Mac and a few of our other Star Wars friends about this the other day that my goal by the end of the year is to have as encyclopedia, uh, like an encyclopedia knowledge (laughs) of the Clone Wars the way I do with other Star Wars content. So I'm working on it. I'm hoping to watch the show at least three or four more times this year. Gotcha. Uh, we're still in February, so I got plenty of time. Oh, man, I when and if I ever have the time, I should go through because other than selections from it, I've generally only watched it during its original run, like during its so original. It's been airing. a long time for you. Um, like I said, there have been places that like I I've probably watched more than any of the other episodes of the Mortis trilogy. Yeah. I that's some of the best Star Wars in the world. And there are certain I, I should also be completely honest. So one of the intriguing and horrible things it was double edged sword was every week the universe got a little bit different shaped than it was before. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the first outing where like. Anakin doesn't have a pad one. And then over here is like, well, actually, kids, she she she's his pad one. It's always been there. It's been in my head. She's a she's a tortuga. Those are cool. Like Lucas decided that she had one. And it was the it's the thing of like, no, he doesn't. He's like, I'm sorry. Do you know Star Wars better than me? Like, and it's like, no, of course not. You're the maker. I, I guess I guess he does. Um, And it was so weird because essentially, especially among adult fans, like the entire thing was like, when are they going to kill this girl? <laughs> That's what that was everyone it, yeah. was waiting for is like, when are they going to kill Ahsoka? So when Ashley Eckstein, the voice actress and to be blunt, the living embodiment of Ahsoka, yeah. um, when she would be at any kind of press junk, it was like, so do you know what happens to Ahsoka? And she's like, no, I have no idea what happens to Ahsoka. They're not going to tell me. I hope she lives forever. <laughs> um, and it turns out she might, she might. Um, and so you had this back and forth of, different things in the fandom being pushed around like mm-hmm. so we started dealing with like force powers because there's a lot of force powers used in combat in this that we had never seen so people were like can they do that and the answer is yes it just happened <laughs> um we got to understand more of the general buildup of all of the forces we found admiral yularen who is like anakin's sort of like um naval captain yeah. running all of the, all the fleet of the 501st we and meet captain tarkin we meet captain tarkin and and go, oh, I guess he was young once. Yeah, he was always kind of a dick, though. Um, But then you had other things that were, like, um, making the universe feel weird. I'll, I'll, I'll state the biggest thing. I, I had an existential crisis with Star Wars during this show because 
most of my love of Star Wars was tied to like the comic books, Tales of the Jedi and uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunters I've mentioned before. So when you told me that the Mandalorians are a bunch of peaceful people and the only ones who wear the cool armor and do the things I care about are actually a bunch of like essentially terrorists, <laughs> like clinging to the past terrorists. It's really, really upsetting and was the, the biggest one. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Um, but that's because at the time I was reading Republic Commando where they talked about these Mandalorian trainers who were teaching all the clones how to do what they were doing. And then suddenly they actually can't be there. They have to be erased from time. And that book series basically got canceled. Like they, they ghost the the end of it and like canceled it because there are no Mandalorian warriors anymore. They don't exist. That the Clone Wars has just undone them because yeah. Lucas said, well, no, nah, I want it to be peaceful people. Uh, their planet's been nuked. They live in domes. I don't know. It'll be cool. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of where, like, you'd see Filoni tr and and that tribe who had grown up, loved Star Wars, trying to, like, edge things from the extended universe into canon. Like, you get to see the planet Onderon, which is from those same comic books, yeah. enter, and that's where Saw Gerrera comes from and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's really cool. And then you see other things, like, that are, like, George Lucas just saying, nah. <laughs> like, okay, so, George, you want you want him to go to the the Sith homeworld. Okay, that, that's Korriban. Coraban. Yeah. Nah, I call it Moraban. But George, that's not the name. It's Moraban now. Okay. It's Moraban now. I don't know. We, we can't say no to him. He owns it. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of just weird back and forth. And I think the primary one that affects us in canon today, probably the biggest one, because the Mandalorians over time have sort of been retconned back to being cool warrior people between rebels and Mandalore the Mandalore, like we've kind yeah. of got them back to what I think of them as, um, is Darth Maul. Um, as it goes, George Lucas's daughter who joined uh, the writing group in the last two seasons kind of pitched that she'd think it'd be cool if Darth Maul's back. And George Lucas says, great idea. Let's do it. And that was it. We were off to the races. Darth Maul was going to suddenly not be dead anymore. And he'll have spider legs on a junk planet and don't think about it too hard. It's just, it's cool. Go with it. And that's led to his official appearances in Solo, and we've really made this an important part of Rebels and stuff like that. The idea yeah. that Darth Maul kind of fulfills his destiny as being a Dark Lord of the Sith over time. But what's interesting about Maul in um, in Clone Wars specifically, and you know, we're not going to get into every single no, 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 Clone no. Wars, but since you brought it up, I think it is worth it's worth pointing out. The thing I love about Maul. It, well, the thing I love about Clone Wars and what they did for Maul, because I'll, I'll admit when when I when that happened, I wasn't watching the show, but I heard about it and I thought, yeah. oh, yeah, that's weird. No, he's dead. Like that guy's gone. Like when you get kind of half and throw down a bottomless pit, that's pretty much the punctuation point on your life. But in Star Wars, we've learned now over the years, it's not. It, uh, but it, when that happened, I was very much like, a, oh, I won't like this. But then as I got into it, basically, here's my opinion on any time anything like this happens. My basic yeah. opinion is this. We got more Star Wars yeah. than we would have gotten without it. And ultimately, for me, while I may think, oh, just use this new character, Savage Press. You can have Maul without having Maul. Which like, is what they originally were. Right. It definitely feels that way. Yeah, it does. And at first you think, okay, here's this guy who's... You know, kind of, he, he's this unsuspecting guy. He was turned into a fighter. But then with Maul, you come back and you realize, oh, there's a character here we get to meet. And yeah. more importantly, we get to discover what he's about. Because in the film, 
We don't really know. He says we, a handful he, of lines and gets cut in half and throw it down a bottomless exactly. bit. Exactly. So the show gives us this ability to meet him and learn and understand what he's about. You know, he was someone that was essentially forced into the life he had. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his time in the Clone Wars is spent basically like, man, I hate that Darth Sidious guy. He ruined my life. Yeah. Like that's Screw what him. Maul's I'm character kill. is to a well, certain extent. And I would say as much as I, I do bring that up, I only bring it up because like it does frustrate me that they, they and, and honestly, smartly, hand wave him surviving because like, no, we don't have a good reason either. Just go with it. Mm-hmm. By the time his legs are restored on Dathomir, he's an amazing arc from right there. Once yeah. you just settle into the fact he's back, yeah. he's sane again, and he's got his ideas of what he wants to do. From that point on, he's a fascinating, he is. interesting character. He is. And he only gets better as he goes. And I'm very excited to see him in this last season of Clone Wars and yeah. and whatever's to come, hopefully, in live action in the future. Uh, the, the Clone Wars has been, for me, such an interesting experience because every time now I see a piece of Star Wars media, I consume something that at first doesn't necessarily sit with me well. You know, it's not something I... You know, I'm able to take on right away. Um, I kind of sit back and I think, okay, just give it time. See how it feels in a little while. Right. And see what other pieces get filled in. Because when I think of like, oh, okay, here's this episode of a comic that totally changes something you thought you knew about Star Wars. Right. And then you realize once you have all the pieces that, oh, not really. Like, all it is is, you know, it's something that is part of that character's journey. And ultimately, like... When we see things in the Clone Wars that, you know, feel like, oh, well, you're telling me this character met this character before I saw the meet on film, or you're telling me this character used this piece of technology or this weapon before I saw it? That's crazy. And when I really think about it, in the end of it, the point of, like, a Star Wars film is to show us these monumental moments in this act, right? Right, In this giant play that we're watching. The temple events of these eras. Exactly, exactly. So when you look back and you say, oh, man... It's crazy that in episode three, there's no mention of Ahsoka. That just seems really weird, right? But not really, because the events of, say, Revenge of the Sith don't really have anything to do with Ahsoka. You know, Anakin and what he's going through doesn't have anything to do with well, that character. And it's okay that, you know... And the cool thing is, there's, there's not like there's a point times. in episode three for him to do, for Obi Wan to go like, well, I understand you're you know having troubles with your wife, and of course after Ahsoka and all that, like he doesn't have time to like bring it up, even if. And I think when you watch episode uh, three after it, like you just kind of put it like it's just one more um, chip in the all in against Anakin of yeah. I lost my surrogate daughter in the form of a Padawan. Uh, I'm not going to lose my my actual baby. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has just dropped the bomb that I'm a dad now. And like he's overwhelmed by everything. It's not surprising. He doesn't talk or dwell on a lot of the stuff. And it, I think Ahsoka fits perfectly fine. And I think actually the way things end up with her at the end of the show actually deepens it because it would be more complicated if she had died. Yeah. No, she's just removed she removed herself and anakin can't pursue or talk talk to her like she's out of the order she's like excommunicated if you will and that will probably screw with him more than if she had died (laughs) it's funny you bring that up mac because that is where i mean i think you have figured out this out by now everyone but 
spoilers for Star Wars The Clone Wars, as we do here at Star Wars All In, uh, at the end of Season 5, Ahsoka leaves the Order. Yeah. Basically, she was accused of doing something she didn't do. No one besides Anakin really had her back. And she basically is saying, well, if you guys don't trust me, then I don't know if I trust you, and I don't know if this is the right place for me to be. And she walks away. Now, we meet Ahsoka again in other media, but what I'm really excited to see and talk about here is mm-hmm. the path that Ahsoka's journey has gone on since right. Clone Wars Season 5 ended. So we already said we got you know Season 6, uh, the Lost episodes on Netflix. And then for years, that was it. We had Rebels and then eventually Resistance, yeah. and everybody thought the Clone Wars was over. But then, uh, then. <laughs> <laughs> Celebration Chicago, right? Yeah. It was Chicago. I have that right in my head. Yeah. We had the announcement that a final season of The Clone Wars would be coming back. The yep. Clone Wars had been saved. And here we are now, uh, one episode into season seven, which is why we decided to do this now. Yeah. We have our first new episode of the final season. And not only are we going to get some tie-ups of some things, so at the end of the original run of The Clone Wars, there was some information released on some episodes that never got made. And that was a big deal with StarWars.com. There were some comics. There's even some pieces of novels that all came from these working scripts. Because when you're doing animation, you're like 18 months out on the production schedule. So season six was being worked on when the call came down to cancel it. And that's why when you watch like the last three episodes of season five, they go, whoa, they look way better. And it's yeah, because those are probably using the season six assets as they just basically clear the pipeline to make their finale feel like a good place to leave finale using uh-huh. all the best resources that they have, which is why I think you see such a jump in production value. And you start seeing something that we saw more when we started seeing the pieces of the missed episode was in season two, halfway through or so, there's a costume change. And we kind of see the characters enter the middle of the Clone Wars. It's no longer the opening acts of the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars is in pitched, slogged battles. And there was supposed to be essentially another one of those, probably at the end of season five, where they don more episode three apparel. And the phase two Stormtrooper-styled clone armor is going to come into the ranks and we were going to start leaning towards episode three rather than being kind of in between two and three yeah and you can kind of see like when there's the republic tribunal in the end of season five you're like oh that's that's just an imperial battle you know like that's just an imperial installation all you'd have to do is just go add a few squiggles to that that you know republic logo and it's just an imperial cog like (laughs) you can see the fall of the republic happening and I think one of the exciting thing about Bad Batch, this first episode, is you can see that. Anakin has his cool eye scar. He's got his longer hair. He's wearing his really dark brown, you know, tunic and overcloak. And we see some of the troopers are starting that transition to the phase two armor. And they're starting to look a little more like stormtroopers than clone troopers. Yeah, we uh, we have the Bad Batch arc, which... You know, we initially got information on when the Clone Wars ended. So if you remember back then, then you might know some of the spoilers coming for these new episodes already. Yeah. One of my favorite Clone Wars projects that unfortunately will probably never get adapted into animation was uh, the Dark Disciple novel. So if you're not familiar, there is a novel that came out right after sort of the the Disney re-canonization uh, <laughs> of, uh, you know, we basically split. We took the old expanded universe and 
rebranded it Legends. We've talked about that. Basically, stories that are no longer part of the overall large story and instead just more myths or fables. Right. And then we have what I am calling, what I like to call the new expanded universe, because that's very much what I think of it as. Uh, even if, you know, we don't all necessarily agree to call it that. That's how I think of it. <laughs> and we, yeah. one of the very first novels that we got in that was a novel called Dark Disciple. And this was a mix of uh, multiple scripts brought together. And, you know, they were they influenced this book. And the book is basically the, the conclusion to Asajj Ventress, who is one of, I think, uh, the fan favorites. She's a Sith assassin trained by Dooku. And she basically falls in love with a Jedi who is then tempted to the dark side by Dooku. And uh, it's a fantastic novel if you love that era and you love that show. And it's just another great piece of merchandise we got because mm -hmm. of the untimely end of the Clone Wars. And now here we are watching it again. Yeah, it's, New episodes it's, airing. And it's really cool. And like I said, for me, the nerdy part is just, again, seeing that twist. Because like we see in this, um, we're not going to talk about the episode. I want, I want people to go see it. It's it's very new as the time of this recording. Um, you see things like the fleets. You can see the acclimator class uh, assault ships being kind of swapped out for the venerator class star destroyers with like the the two bridges that we're going to yeah. see in episode three. Uh, Commander Cody's got his antenna off his shoulder and is in his, you know, the armor he's going to use when he's shooting at Obi Wan like. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of dread that is permeating through the whole show as we, the audience, know how this is all going to go down. Yeah, um, and it's it's very exciting, and I think it's cool um, just the impact of it because there's an entire generation of kids who are like late teens, 20s right now who this is their Star Wars. Yeah. This is what they were raised and weaned on. Yeah. When they think fondly back to childhood memories, it's wearing Captain Rex, you know, Velcroed shoes and running around around with, you know, a blaster rifle and imagining that they were troops. Yeah. And that's really cool to me because, again, that's also a little more close to my childhood growing mm -hmm. up in the dark times where I got more into that stuff. But yeah. um, Clone Wars is one of the most impactful things ever. It paved the way for us to tell way longer stories. And I think the one thing that it really reminded me of that I hope we all appreciate when we see things like Mandalorian or new episodes of Clone Wars or Rebels or things that come as we go of just how bold George Lucas was and how he empowered his people, because there are just so many things about Clone Wars that if the maker wasn't there and people who had learned from him weren't there, they would have been so much more timid trying different things. That made the universe gargantuanly bigger. Mm -hmm. And all of those projects continue to be bold and challenge your preconceived notions and push against what you think it was without upsetting anything that came before. You know, like yeah. like we, we, we talked about him not that long ago. Bosk in Rebels, we found out Bosk can talk basic. That doesn't ruin anything. It's not like he couldn't have been speaking it on the Death Star or the Star Destroyer, but like most people would have thought he didn't, but he does, and it's okay. And it's, it's. I think you kind of forged this phrase on this on this cast, and it, it is my North Star, especially when I think of things like Rogue One and I get all ornery, um, is be thankful for the Star Wars we have. Don't keep wishing for the Star Wars we don't have. Yes. Um, because it's an unfair proposition unless you have 
four billion dollars in your back pocket to go own Star Wars. We are participants in the Star Wars saga. We do not get to dictate where it goes. There are hundreds of people that get that privilege. And it's important to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. If there's something like you don't like about it, it's okay. There should be a lot of it you do like about it. And all of it and every person involved is trying to make Star Wars a bigger, cooler, more interesting place for imaginations to go. You know, we've already pointed this out once, but the best thing to me about the Clone Wars is, as you said, the way it expands the universe. Mm -hmm. The fact that we can see planets and people and technology that we wouldn't typically see. That we can spend an entire hour-long chunk of Yoda just trying to learn to communicate with Qui-Gon through the Force. Something we could never get in a film. Mm-hmm. But we can get an animation, you know, an entire episode or two episode arc that's just about a giant monster that's attacking a planet and the Jedi want to save it and Palpatine wants to study it for his own nefarious yeah. reasons. And, you know, we would never get something like that in film. So I just absolutely love the way that Clone Wars expands and takes us around. Uh, one of the places the Clone Wars has been able to take us is to Felucia. Yeah. And Mac, I will tell you, I would love to spend a little bit more time talking about Felucia. All right, well, let's go kick the hyperdrive and go check it out. All right, let's do it. wonder what it'd be like if we had an avatar adjacent planet in star wars oh my goodness oh my god i never put that together it is kind of an avatar adjacent yeah yeah so the uh the jungle world of felucia is what we're gonna be talking about tonight so if you're not familiar felucia first appears in episode three revenge of the sith uh basically it is a giant vibrant colorful foliage covered jungle world felucia itself is home to lots of different species some we'll talk about today i'm sure yeah but it's mostly home to plant life and we really at least in canon only see it in the prequel era so we see it in revenge of the sith first and then we see it in most of its appearances are in the Clone Wars. It's mentioned in a few other places. I think it's mentioned in the Tarkin book. Um, I read that it was mentioned in one of the Galaxy of Adventure children's stories that's out yeah, there yeah, now yeah. that I haven't read. But it, it mostly, besides Episode 3, comes up in video games a few times. Yeah. But mostly the Clone Wars. So, Mac, what are your thoughts on Felucia to start here? Well, Felucia is interesting because it's a very underdeveloped planet. Um, I, I remember when I first saw it, I kind of referred to it as like the honey, I shrunk the kids planet because the mega flora and mega fungi that are on the planet are just massive. They're, they're, they're they skyscraper t- sized, like plant blooms. And so it gives this weird miniaturization to all the combatants on it because just so much of the, the plant life mm-hmm. is just so massive. Um, 
And I feel like it makes sense you see in the prequel era because it seems like it must be like on a hyperspace lane or like it has some strategic importance that isn't the planet itself. Like they're using it as a staging area or to as a blockade or something like that because the planet is mostly just inhabited by savage life forms and a small contingent of relatively primitive fungus people. The Felucians <laughs> are kind of like fungi yeah, guys. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're... they're they're really wild looking. I, I mean, as he checks himself, he goes, I think they're in canon. Um, I mostly remember them from The Force Unleashed, where you spend a lot of time on the planet Felucia. Oh, you do spend a good bit of time there. The thing about The Force Unleashed, which, if you're not familiar, is a 2008 Star Wars video game that uh, one of, well, actually, you go to Felucia a couple times, but it's really cool. You fight a dark Jedi there. You fight uh, tons of, uh, well, jungle rancors. Almost um, too many. Yeah, <laughs> you do fight a lot. Um, so you, you do a really a lot of cool stuff on Felucia. For me, what it looks like, the reason I find it such an interesting planet, it's probably visually one of my favorite planets in oh, Star yeah. Wars, is it's so vibrant. And where that really shines through is in the Clone Wars. Right. So there's one episode I wanted to call out particularly uh, from the Clone Wars that I think is worth pointing out. And this is an episode, season three, episode 21. The mm-hmm. episode is called Padawan Lost, okay? Okay. Padawan Lost. And the idea of this episode is that basically Ahsoka, Anakin, and some other members of the Republic are fighting on Felucia. They're trying to infiltrate a droid stronghold. And you see this awesome opening battle where the the lasers are just streaking through the plant life. And you see our characters making their way through all of the different uh, fauna and stuff on the planet. And it's just so colorful and vibrant and awesome. And also, it's at night. So all of those colors are really shining through. So it's my favorite. You're only on the planet for really a couple of minutes because essentially uh, Ahsoka gets kidnapped by some bounty hunters and taken off the planet. But while we're there, it's just such a beautiful view into that world. Highly, highly recommend it. It's so full of like also colors that seem, I guess, tropical. I mean, it's 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 these pinky fuchsias and these turquoises. And I said, it's just ridiculously lush. You know, it is. It is. It it makes you think of, well, to be blunt, things outside of the original trilogy. Because yeah. one of the things that's unique about the prequels is they're a lot more bright. They're a lot more colorful. Yes. Um, the original trilogy is very monotone in a lot of its settings. Yeah, the way, I mean, between between 70s filmmaking yeah. um, and also just the fact of, like, the Empire is monochrome. It's greens and grays. Um, yeah. And the them fighting against it in this just very downtrodden, very, you know, industrialized galaxy. Whereas in the prequels, we see a lot more of life under the public when things were pretty good not as good as you not not as good as they could be but better than they're going to be <laughs> yes um you're a hundred percent right now i did want to come in and just tell you one quick little thing here yeah um the solutions that we see in legends are a little bit different than the solutions we see in canon uh, so solutions so solutions are in canon then uh, they the are. idea of a native species on Felucia, I mean. They are, yes. Okay. There, there, uh, there are some moments where uh, where you do see them here. But, yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, that's not what the planet's about. The right. planet 
is about the plant life uh, and the events that take place there. Sorry, I just looked at the pictures of the pollution. I'm like, oh, yep, they're very different. Yep. They're, oh, they're, yeah, they're yeah, weird, yeah. like, birdie people. They're, they're kind of goofy looking, let's be honest. They're kind of <laughs> goofy looking. Well, they're primitive, as you said. They're primitive. That, that stays true. Right. So, so that's the big thing. Um, and we do see, uh, not only in Clone Wars, but Mac, as you mentioned, we see Felucia on, uh, on the silver screen, right? We see it in episode three. Yes, in a very pivotal scene. Yeah, we see some murder straight up take place there, don't we? And in some ways, I think uh, all of them are rough, but I think this is one of the roughest ones yeah. in the Order City Six because Ayla Sakura gets shot in the back mm, straight a bunch up. Of times. And yeah, and once she's down, the, these troopers have seen her in action and go, we've got to be sure. So they are just unloading clips in her as we hover up and a tasteful plant uh, petal comes over to kind of make it so we don't have to see what's happening to her body. Because yeah. they are just shooting, 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 yeah, shooting. It's, it's not pleasant. No. Um, but hey, I mean, that's Order 66 for you. It's violent. Oh, it and it has to hit you in the gut, which I think yeah, it does. It does. And the, the Clone Wars and what we see there only amplifies that. Yeah. Uh, Felucia is one of, I think, the greatest planets in all of Star Wars. If you have not seen it in its episodes in The Clone Wars, absolutely go check it out. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, there's some cool plant life that we see. There's some cool animals. I do want to give a call out again to the jungle rancor. Right. Uh, we've seen them a little bit in canon. There was like some deleted scenes they were supposed to be in and whatever, but they're supposed to be native to Felucia. And so that, whether you're looking at canon or legends, the idea of a rancor that's a little yeah. bit more primal um, is pretty darn cool. And I think the biggest thing I, I my takeaway from Felucia was it opened up the visual language of like um, we talked last segment about Christophus, this gemstone planet that probably wouldn't have got off the ground if it wasn't for Felucia breaking the idea of like, yes, it's Flash Gordon. Yes, it's worlds that are made up of one terrain type, but that terrain type does not have to be a terrain type that would work here. <laughs> you know, it can be just a single conceptual terrain and yeah i love the fact that felucia is basically just this yeah tropical flower jungle planet and it's just it doesn't look like anything exactly on earth no it, it looks like uh what is it pangea where does avatar take place pandora bring it bring it back to my avatar reference sure right right yeah i should watch that movie again i haven't seen that since the theaters it's kind of like felucia. Uh... yeah <laughs> There's more of this coming out, huh? Uh, maybe. That's the rumor. Uh, well, I we're not going to do that. We're, we're going to follow the path yeah. out of Come here. Come back next time to Avatar in All In. In fact, and, if you take uh, a look, what's that on the ground? <gasps> it's just a small little box. It's like a toaster. Oh, wait. It's going somewhere. We should follow it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mac. Let's scoot on over to our next topic of the mouse droid. Stick around right after this. Week. Oh, a mouse droid. We're going to talk about the MSE6 series repair droid, also known as the mouse droid. 
What an inventive little name for that guy. It's I cute. Where they came up with that. Right? It's cute in a weird way. Before there was BB-8, before there was Baby Yoda, we had the mouse droid. That's true. The first cute thing in all of Star Wars, I think. Arguably. You can maybe say the jaw was, but I, I think the mouse droid, really. Well, because I think the thing about the mouse droid is the mouse droids are these little boxy toaster-sized you know, contraptions that are roving all over the Death Star in <laughs> New Hope. That is where we first see them, yeah. And at first, you don't know what they are. They, they they most commonly are seen in the movie as like guiding troops through the massive hallways. Like you'll see there's a definitely a scene where there's a squad of stormtroopers like running behind one, almost like these must be used to guide people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we, we kind of fell in love, I think, with the mouse droid and it has a personality when one comes up to Chewbacca <laughs> and Chewbacca looks down at the little droid. And just roars. And the little droid freaks out, sputters and squeaks, and goes back the way it came. (laughs) Smart droid. Which tells us that, I mean, that's where they get the name the mouse droid, is because they don't really look like mice, but it made this little squeak noise and scurried like a rat. (laughs) Um, It does, successfully. But they're kind of cute. Um, uh, Basically, you can tell that they were an RC car with a box on top of it. and their most important kind of contribution to Star Wars is explaining how all the Imperial floors are so shiny. Is it because of Maestroid? Yeah, because the Maestroid, its job is maintenance and repair. So when there's just little like service stuff that has to be done, these little droids run around. They've got the little fins on top of their heads, sure, which apparently are sure. also tool sets. Okay, so they're just doing all the grunt work. Kind of all the stuff that they can't get stormtroopers to do willingly. Yeah, and moving st- and and again, just moving little things around, whether that's like delivering parts to different sections or or hand carrying messages and stuff like that. Like basically, these just little courier. They're they're like pneumatic tubes with wheels. Their whole job is for inner office like communications, okay. as well as gu- getting you around the place and kind of the mail cart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can get on board with that. And like I said, their other job is just to like, you know, while they're going, there's little buffers and a little roombaing all around the place, keeping it clean. Like that, just picking up the leftover debris, all the the water that was tracked out of the garbage disposal. That would be, or the, why have they made a Star know. Wars Roomba that's just a mouse droid that does the Roomba stuff? Oh, that would be great. You can buy a mouse droid now at Galaxy's Edge, I hear. You can. And I remember when I saw one roving around in uh, Star Wars Celebration. They're a bit bigger than you think they would be. Really? Yeah, you well, think of them. Is toaster accurate? Well, yes, but also you need to go grab a toast, like a good one that can hold bagels. And remember, toasters are not as small as I think they are either. <laughs> like, my, I guess my brain just thought of like, oh, they're the size of like my lunchbox. No, no, no. They're bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, they're like a bread box. They are a bread box. Yeah. Like, literally. I can get on board with that. Okay. Um, But they're, uh, they're, they're a neat little addition yeah. because... It's something that's, again, another great example of the first Star Wars being a place because they never explain what they are. They never try to show you. And some production designers said, guys, it's important that we have these little robots running (laughs) around. Why? Don't ask questions. Just get it done. Someone went to bat for the mouse droid. 
And when you think about it, like I said, it's just it's a very unnecessary thing that a lesser movie would have just left on the wayside. But they just said, no, it, it makes the world feel more alive that this thing runs around and does some purpose. We don't know what it is as an audience, and it doesn't matter because the characters know and that's all that matters because it's their world, not ours. Yes. Um, one thing that's always bummed me out about the mouse droids is we've never gotten any in any other fun colors. No, they all just come in gunmetal gray. Yeah, there's no variations there. Like, I'd love a First Order-themed mouse droid that's like, you know, I got that murdered out black, but it's got some red accents, too. Or, mm. you know me, I'm always clamoring for a Christmas. Uh, so give me that red and green and gold mouse droid. Oh, you know, I'm all about yeah. It. No, you, it seems like that should have happened. Yeah, I don't think, as far as I know, only black mouse droids. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing that's... um interesting about them is they have shown up a long time because they exist in all three eras of star wars (laughs) they existed during the republic they existed during the empire and they existed during the new republic and the funny thing about it to me is that they didn't change them they are literally like rats just if you're on a ship of enough size just one has arrived on your ship whether you wanted or not i was thinking more cockroach they're just you can't get rid of them (laughs) They're like porgs. Once they nest, they get everywhere. They're just everywhere. Yeah, unless JJ writes it, then they're just gone. Then they're just... <laughs> uh, so, mouse droids. They do appear in uh, another interesting medium that, Mac, I know you and I have talked about a bunch. Yes. They show up in the uh, story, one of 40 short stories in the book, yes. From a Certain Point of View, which, if you're not familiar, is a book that retells the story of A New Hope in 40 different chapters from 40 different character perspectives. One of the chapters called Of Mice and Men, well, technically called Of MSA 6 and Men. MSE 6, yeah. <laughs> is uh, a great little chapter about two imperial, uh, well, shall we say employees, because they hold different employees. positions and ranks, um, passing uh, messages back and forth to each other right. using the mouse droid. And it's really, really rad. Yeah, they kind of become pen pals and they're using the mouse droid to pass notes from one to the other. Yeah. Um, between the maintenance section where the one works and where this mouse droid's normal deployment is. Unfortunately, though, yeah, the one side of this conversation is TK421, who, well, you may remember his role in uh, New Hope, going up a ramp to check on annoyance, and, uh, well, some other dude wears his clothes from there on out. Yeah, he was, uh, I think they said, shoved in a maintenance hangar is where they found him, you know, after he was uh, taken out of his armor, so... Yeah, not a great um, ending for TK421. And then, unfortunately, our mouse droid friend uh, blows up on the Death Star. With all his mouse droid brethren. On... <laughs> so, unfortunately, not a great day for uh, for mice droid. Uh, would you say that? Would you say mice droids? Is that the plural? Um, Since we're just making it all up anyway? No, I guess the plural in my mind would be it's a mouse droid mm-hmm. or mouse droids. Mouse droids. I think the droids would be the pluralization. Mm, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I could get on board with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think the, I think the other thing I remember specifically is uh, like kind of taking control of my droids. I think it was in Republic Commando. Oh, like okay. there's a mission where you need to use my droids to like like access mm-hmm. a door that you can't get to. Um, you're very think, useful in the field is what you're yeah. saying. The mouse droid. It is. It's a, it, cause there's all these, um, you saw that in like dark forces and Jedi Knight and stuff like there's all these little maintenance ducts that are just big enough for mice droids that mice yeah. droids can get in and squirrel around in the walls, just like <laughs> mice. 
um, that you can do. And, and they're just an important part of sort of the ecosystem of uh, starships and star bases. They just feel like they're just part of that landscape, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of nice because they're one of those things that makes the universe feel alive without having to really add context. And that's what Star Wars is so great at. That's what makes it such a unique and interesting place to be are things exactly like the mouse droid. So, you know, you might have come into this topic saying, oh, what is there to possibly say about the mouse droid? And ultimately, you're right. There's not a ton. (laughs) But the reason why we have topics like this is because it is great to point out how important these little details are to Star Wars because I think ultimately it's why we like this stuff so much. And I think yeah. the mouse droid is the perfect example. It helps make Star Wars a place. Yes, it does. Mac, let's pick up these traps. I don't want to catch any more mice droids. Uh, anything else you'd like to say about it? I mean, anything else you'd no, like to add you've got in? me thinking. If they're doing maintenance and they're cleaning up all the floors and the crawl spaces in the Death Star. Yeah. Are mice droids mice traps? Do they deal with vermin? Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you've got like a Kowakian monkey lizard running around the Death Star. Is and a mouse... mouse droid just like opens up and sucks it in. Well, just like just like R2-D2 zaps it and then traps it inside it. Oh, I like it. I like it. Okay. And then they feed it to the Dianonga, the trash compactor. Omi. <laughs> you should read from a certain point of view. If this podcast has done nothing else other than sell more copies of that book, yes. we've done our job because that Please book is so it a go. good. In fact, I think we should end the topic here on an advertisement for from a certain point <laughs> of view. Get certain point of view. So, uh, so available good. in hardcover, available, I'm sure, in paperback, I'm pretty and sure. And a really right? good audiobook where each part of the 40 chapters is voiced by a different oh, person. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So uh, if A New Hope is your favorite Star Wars movie, like it is mine, and you want to mm-hmm. hear about it told from another perspective or in fact 40 other perspectives yeah. there are some fantastic bits of knowledge in that book highly highly recommend it go check it out yeah and that's it that's great unless you want me to list all 40 authors which i, I mean we could but could now let's do let's not because it's not the last time we're going to talk <laughs> about that book that's right because when from a certain point of view two comes out celebrating the 40th anniversary <sighs> of empire so. i hope so we'll be ready all right, friends. All we'll right, talk well, to you until soon that as we wrap up this thing right after this. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively. Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people. Let them know that they're loved. Just regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all. And it's always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders, that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love. Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
All right, well, the Clone Wars continue, but this battle is over. <laughs> Another episode of Star Wars All In ends its campaign. Thank God. I'm ready to go watch some Clone Wars again. <sighs> I can't wait. This new season is good. I'm so I know. jazzed I by it. I know in, but I honestly, I want to go upstairs and watch it again. It was really uh, good. I haven't watched it since this morning. It's been like 12 hours since I watched this new episode of Clone Wars. So <laughs> it's been at least like 12 it. minutes since I saw it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, you just finished. I You're just watched it. Um, I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun today talking Clone Wars. Um, we know yeah. Felicia and mouse droids were a little bit of a shorter topics, but stuff like that is what's so important to Star Wars and uh, through that lens, so important to us here at Star Wars All In. We want to make sure that we're talking about as wide of a variety of topics mm -hmm. as possible uh, to appeal to every fan out there. We want us to have something that you enjoy as well. So if there's a topic you'd like to hear, please yeah. let us know. We don't say this maybe as much as we should, but Star Wars All In on all social media, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we would love to talk to you. Mac, I'd like to take a minute here during this appendix and yeah. just share with you a few little tidbits about Star Wars All In because we've had some changes oh, in the yeah. last couple of weeks. And I'm sure uh, you, the listeners, have noticed. Mac, I'm sure you've noticed as well. But mm -hmm. I do just want to call out, um, we've had a few changes lately where we've had some new advertisements being placed in the show. And we're really oh, yeah, happy about that. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really cool. <laughs> we're, we're really happy. But what the really, the really, the thing I want to say really it all just comes down to thank you because we've hit some of the goals that we initially set for ourselves and this is one that i am particularly happy about so currently as of uh as of right now as of this moment as of, as this of recording. the time you're hearing uh as of the time we launch episode uh what is this 28 uh, episode 28 total. This is episode 10 of season two. Okay. So by the time you're hearing this on the day this episode launches, Star Wars All In is listened to in 31 of the uh, states of the United States, our home mm -hmm. country. But we are also now listened to or have been listened to in 15 different wow. countries. That is wild. So I just want to tell you, uh, thank you very much. If you're one of those people listening to us, uh, this is specifically for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very, very much. So now, as we get into season two here, and as we approach our year anniversary of the show, our first year, share us with uh, your other Star Wars friends. Let's get into those other 50 states. Yeah, because we, uh, we've been having a blast, I think... Uh... You know, I think this thing has already exceeded our expectations as far as uh, how, how well it's done and how far it's already come. Um, and uh, we hope you stick with us and uh, join us and and yeah get involved especially it seems like uh, Twitter is sort of the the standout as far as where we get communications back and forth so definitely join us there and uh, we'll keep uh, we'll keep trying to connect with you and get you to be part of the show and uh, like I said thanks thanks so much for being here absolutely absolutely we'd love to hear from you uh, specifically if you're the person who lives in Aruba and listens to us I'd love to know about that. Uh, what's life like there in Aruba? How did you find Star Wars All In? I'd love to hear about it. Uh, but no, it, seriously, thank you. Um, also, French listeners, um, the UK has overtaken you as our second most popular country. So for a while, it was held strong by our French fans. Uh, bring it back. Share it with uh, share it with some more people. And I will say, let's throw that just out there. And if you want to communicate with us, you want to end up on the show, it's pretty easy. Our inbox doesn't get too full right now. Uh, go over to anchor.fm slash uh, 
is it Swa or is it Star Resort? Sway. Sway. It is. Anchor.fm slash Sway, S-W-A-I. And you can actually leave us a voicemail there. And if you leave us a voicemail, we will do everything in our power, as long as you don't say dirty words, to get it on the show. We, (laughs) that's a good way to describe it, Mac. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. So we would love to hear from you. We would love to have you. Uh, Please, please, please let us know. We'd love to talk to you. And until we talk to you next time, next Wednesday, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until then, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.